Welcome to the Friendly Community alongside Chad Gordon. I am Ryan Lever, and we are ready for another episode. Chad, how are we doing tonight? You know, it's one of those weeks that that when you look at the standings, you say, you know, we're 19 over 500, but it just wasn't a very clean week. There's a lot to talk about on this episode, but let's, you know, what I'm excited about right now, it's Sunday and you and I, I think we're not going to be at a game together, but collectively we'll see four games this week together, not together, but in person. Yeah. Well, we can FaceTime each other during the games if you'd like. That makes it a little closer to the action. Um, yeah, I'm going to be in Detroit this week on a work trip. And just coincidentally, the Cubbies are going to be in Detroit sure, on sure. Tuesday and Just Wednesday. coincidentally. Okay. I know, right? Yeah. Talk about great planning. Apparently, my company just uh, happened to know when the Cubbies were going to be uh, in Detroit. But I'm excited about that. You're going to be in Wrigley this weekend. Uh, so, yeah. So, that's great. I mean, it's always cool when, especially when you're not planning to see the Cubs, and then all of a sudden things start to fall in your lap. So I'm pretty excited about that. We got a great seventh-inning stretch conductor uh, tonight. We got Doug Kazarian from ESPN. He's uh, one of the Sports Center anchors, also kind of the gambling expert of the network. He's going to talk about kind of betting in sports now, in baseball specifically. So pretty excited about that. But uh, a lot to get to, Chad. So let's get started in our first inning. So, Chad, of course, the four games that you mentioned, it was a split against the Pittsburgh Pirates this weekend, and the Cubs managed to score in four games a measly four runs. All this time, the offenses looked terrific, but I say to you, where was the offense this weekend? We kick it off in the first inning. You know, um, it's we're recording this Sunday night, so we're, we have the benefit of, of last Sunday as well. So if, if, I, if you look at just the last eight days – it, it, it's it's like I said, it, it's it, you don't feel good about the week, but it worked out OK. We split against the Brewers, so they didn't gain any ground. We we won the series against the Nationals. We split the series against uh, the Pirates. But what you just said is so concerning, because if you look at last Sunday's game and all four games against the Pirates, all of our runs, that's five games out of the last seven that, that all the offense came off of one single home run, including Bodie's grand slam. So that's very concerning. The fact they can't generate a run, um, I don't know what's going on because this was a team that was at times scoring it well, but it is kind of a feast or famine situation. You either got the team that comes out and scores bunches of runs or they just fall apart. What do you think's going on? You know, I don't want to chalk it up to one specific thing. I think sometimes, like anything in baseball, you go through streaks, right? Sometimes the bats are hot and sometimes they get cold. And for whatever reason, this weekend, maybe the Cubs just weren't at their peak uh, these last four games offensively. And, and I mean, it wasn't even, you know, were they, yeah. it, it's, it's a fact they weren't. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'd like to think that this was an aberration that we are going to see them kind of heat up this coming week. Maybe there's some things that Chili Davis saw that he can maybe correct and look at as far as, taking you know certain pitches and how they're kind of approaching it at the plate but uh yeah i mean this was a clunker of a, of a series against pittsburgh yeah. and thankfully uh obviously the pitching staff uh did their part in two of those games because otherwise uh more times than not if you're scoring one run in a game you know as well as i do you're not winning most of those games we, we got very yeah lucky. yeah we've got to get a researcher on this i was just thinking i mean this four game series i we watch a lot of baseball i am not sure i've ever seen a four game series where the team split 
yet only scored four runs, and each of those four runs was a solo home run. I, that just has to be that has to, that has to be a very rare occurrence. So, uh, got to get it turned around. Um, and 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 looking ahead, we're going to look ahead a little bit later on. Got the off day, and then hopefully with the 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 the, the Tigers and, and the long series against the Reds, uh, they can turn this around. So I'm not worried. I'm really not worried. I it it, it you know it's August team swoon and they come back and, and they go strong. The Cubs haven't had their, their run yet. They've not had, they've not rattled off their big run. Um, so it's still time. There's still 19 games um, and, and, and outpacing where they were last year. So let's move on to the second inning. And this is a, a, a question from longtime listener, uh, Edgar Rico. And he, he just basically says, what in the heck is up with you Darvish? We know he had his, his rehab start. Uh, uh, this weekend, uh, what is going on? Is he done for the year? He came in, he was supposed to go three innings in South Bend. He pulls himself out of the game. He requests an MRI. Ryan, I've got to ask you very point blank. Are you concerned about you Darvish's heart or, or do you think this is legitimately a structural issue? You know, it's hard to, it's hard to answer that question, right? Because a lot of people have been questioning, how tough this guy really is um, because that was from the very start of when this season began of if this guy had the makeup to be an overall ace for a staff and, and, you know, be one of those strong players in the Cubs dugout. Yeah. But um, as of now, I like to think that this is a structural issue. However, I'm concerned about this structural issue because as we've seen in the past, Japanese pitchers, uh, breakdown and and I can give several examples of this Chad that we've seen you know Dice K is a great example Hideo Nomo is a great example guys that came over um, from the east that you know maybe started out as blazing pitchers that were really talented and had great stuff break down over time and I really hope that this is not the case with you Darvish but right now uh we're not seeing anything that's giving us any promise that this guy is going to be able to come back in September or the postseason for that matter. And it, it lends me to think that for the best, they shut this guy down for the year and just looked at 2019. I, I, I know you and I have talked about this in the yeah. past. I'm starting to think that might be the best way to go uh, at this stage in the game, because that's disconcerting to see. When after one inning and then six warm-up pitches in the second, this guy's being pulled. What's what's your takeaway on that? You know, and and it's interesting that, that you did share that. It, it is a different pitching philosophy when you come from the Japanese leagues. Uh, it, it's usually one start a week period, and so they kind of plan that. So it might be like a six-man rotation. So does the the strain and wear and tear and the fact that he he does throw very hard, all those are going against it. It it. There are a lot of pitchers out there, and there are a lot. There were pitchers in 2016 for the Cubs that, that, that go out there every day with a little bit of pain and a little bit of soreness, and, and they battle and they fight through it at different stages. And so, what I'm seeing and what I'm even hearing from in, in the in the press conference is he had some discomfort. He was concerned about the discomfort, so he pulled himself out. So, I unless he's 100, percent I I don't think he's going to be coming back to the team this year. A hope I had was that he would come back so incredibly fresh when the rosters expanded in September and uh, that doesn't look likely right now. So to answer Edgar's question, I don't think you, you, you shut him down for the, the, the season. I think he's going to shut himself down for the season. I don't think we're going to see him pitching in the Cubs uniform until spring training next year.
from the bullpen to start yet again. And oh, gosh, it was another disappointing start uh, from the Walkman, as I like yeah. to call him at this point in his career. Uh, he went, uh, you know, Joe from the captain hook, Eve Ho. Yeah. Uh, so Tyler Chatwood, once again, on a three-year contract, and the Cubs signed him to a pretty lucrative deal. Yeah. Uh, they got two more years of this. Uh, is this fixable at this point to no. try and get his control at a point where the Cubs feel comfortable bringing him to the game, whether he's starting no. or relieving? Um, Tyler Chatwood, is this somebody that the Cubs can trust? Do you trust Tyler Chatwood with the, you know, the few months that we have remaining here in the baseball season? I love Twitter, and I read something on Twitter that a guy was starting a Tyler Chatwood support group, you know, for every one of his starts. But the only problem is you had to walk to the meetings. Um, <laughs> um, I got to tell you, I that's awesome. I, I, he's done. He's done. He's not done as a Cubby. He, he's got to turn this around. He has got the yips. He cannot figure it out. Uh, what a short and a deservedly short leash. I mean, it, it, you know, we're going to talk about the bullpen in just a bit, but my goodness, that last start, they came in and, and unfortunately ate up a lot of their innings, but they came in and, and really cleaned up the mess, but the offense never really did anything. He just looks lost out there. And I think Joe made the absolute right decision to pull him after, I think that was his fourth walk um, and, and the first one to lead off the third inning. Um, he is, is not serviceable. Um, what it tells me, Ryan, is what an asset and how valuable Mike Montgomery is. And Mike needs to get back very quickly. Um, whatever is, is, is bothering him, hopefully it's just a, a little bit of, uh, of, of just tiredness where he can uh, skip his start. But Mike Montgomery has got to come through that door very soon um, because the team cannot rely on Tyler Chatwood in any way, shape or form. Yeah, Montgomery on the 10DDL with a uh, shoulder inflammation is what they're saying is the issue. So, like you said, hopefully this is something where it's not major, that he was just being on there to being uh, more or less rested so he yeah. can come into that rotation. Because, you know, listen, we've talked about this before, uh, not for nothing, but Mike Montgomery has been probably one of their more consistent yes. starters this year. Yeah. You know, the, the thing about Montgomery is he can usually he's good for about five or six innings, giving up maybe three runs. You know what you're getting, right? Yeah. And you know that he's going to go out there and you're going to have to score at least four runs a game. But uh, yeah, I mean, Tyler Chatwood for all that it's worth. I think this guy has got an opportunity after opportunity and he just has to, you know, really, you know, just, sit down, figure out where the control issues are. Mm -hmm. um, and if it's going back to the bullpen for the rest of the year and then, you know, going into spring training, trying to figure it out in the off season, that's what's got to happen yeah. because uh, you can't handle this, especially if the Cubs are, you know, going to be in the postseason. You can't have uh, starts like that. And not that he would be starting in the postseason rotation yeah. anyway, because usually you're going to a four man rotation uh, as is, but, yeah, I mean, it, it makes me nervous, and I don't think he's a guy. Got to sit down with Mickey, and and just they got to figure out what the issue is, and and I'm sure they've done that to his extent, but they really got to pinpoint the issues here. And if it's a, if it's him going to Triple A, I'm okay with that. You know, yeah. if they got to do that, then down there because you know you're paying this guy way too much money for him to be going three innings plus and then being, you know, taken out of the game because he, 
issuing another walk to yeah. uh, to another player to get on base. So well, well, let's move on. So let's move on to the fourth inning and and uh, the, you know the real bright spot because I think we let off last week uh, talking about what the heck was going on with John Lester because he was really stinking it up coming out of the All Star break. He had a masterful performance, and then let's pair that up with. The Cubs staff ace right now, Cole Hamels. Are you kidding me? Nobody expected this. He has been, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop because he has been way too good for what we gave up. Uh, you know, how confident are you right now, knowing at least we have those two pitchers as, as, as dueling aces and Hendricks has the chance to turn it around. Quintana has had some good starts here and there. But when you look at, at Hamels and in Leicester, how confident are you? How do you think they, they stack up against the rest of the National League? You know, we talked last week, and I know we were both kind of concerned about the Lester situations because he had two clunkers uh, coming out of the All-Star break. But it looks like he righted the ship a little bit. I'm going to just sit here and say he just had a bad outing, two bad outings. And he's maybe getting back to where he was in the first half of the season. Maybe he's, you know, found his groove again, so to speak. Cole Hamels, to me, Chad, and tell me if you agree with this, reminds me a little bit of when the Cubs went out and got Rick Sutcliffe in 1984. <laughs> I love it. He was kind of like average at best with Cleveland. He comes to the Cubs and then goes on to win the Cy Young going 16 and one. And he was unhittable. But when yeah. he was in the American league, he was just kind of so, so right. So here's Cole Hamels who comes over from the Rangers. He was having a subpar year, not one of his stronger years comes back to the national league. And he has just been absolutely amazing yeah. since he has come to the Cubs. I mean, goes out and just continues to throw shutout ball. I, I'm pretty sure he's gone. Am, am I correct in saying this? 14 straight innings now without giving up a run. Is that is that true or am I wrong about that? Because, no, he, his last outing, he did give up at least one run against yeah. the Nationals. I'll have to but, look that up. I'm, well, but, I'm but still, yeah, four, four games, four games in. Uh, 25 innings and two earned runs. And what's amazing, what I found to be completely amazing, and this could this could totally shift back and forth if, if you get a bad start here and there, but he has almost equaled the war of Kyle Hendricks and Mike Montgomery. He's already at a 1.2 war. I mean, that's, that's valuable. He's already worth a full win um, to this rotation, so and to this team, rather. So I, I never expected this. I thought, oh, maybe a guy that can eat some innings, but – they're just it looks like a complete resurgence. I gotta tell you, your your comparison to the Red Baron to Sutcliffe is just it's dead on. He could be the guy that uh, that we look at and go, well, that's exactly why they, they they advanced and they extended was because of that pickup. So I give a lot of credit to whatever the front office saw in Cole and knowing that he'd have a lot of gas in the tank. Let's see how far it goes because it has been the, a beautiful surprise. And and again, we barely talked on uh, about John Lester, but uh, that looked more like the John that that I expect. And and uh, more quality starts like that. That's going to help the rotation win a lot more series. Let me just say this real quick, and then we'll, we'll move on to the next inning. But looking at the top one-two pitchers on each team that's either contending or in first place um, in Major League Baseball right now, I can't think of a better one-two punch right now in Major League Baseball other than maybe like a Justin Verlander and a Dallas Keuchel in, mm -hmm. in Houston. Um, maybe, maybe. But I'm yeah. telling you, at least for my money, Chad, I think a Hamels Lester one two right now. I'm just off the top of my head, unless you can think of somebody else. I mean, the Nats, you know, Scherzer, Strasburg, maybe, maybe they're uh, out of it. Yeah, they're out be, of it. That
I mean, at this point, that's not even on the table. So I, I got to be honest, that's probably the best one-two punch uh, of pitchers that would go toe-to-toe with any other ace and number two um, in the league, in yeah. the league. Um, and, and unless I'm missing somebody and, you know, I've been proven wrong plenty of times, uh, I, I have to think that's, that's got to be the top. At the top of their games right now, that's got to be one-two for my money. All right, let's, uh, let's move on. But before, before we move on, there's one thing I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say, because we've talked about you, we've talked about all the necessary, the needs to pick up different, different pitchers. Let's not mention the fact that if Jake Arrieta had the same stats for the Cubs, he'd be, he'd be the ERA leader by, by nearly half a run. Let's not okay, talk about that. We will that. not say that. We will not okay. say that at all. All right, so we're moving on to the, yes. to the fifth. To the fifth inning we go. And, uh, you know, even though uh, the Cubs – Lost on Sunday, two to one in extra innings. Brandon Kinsler giving up the game winner. Uh, you know this bullpen has still been looking Incredible. really good. Incredible. And, and Theo and Jed went out at the trade deadline and really made some moves to bolster, bolster, excuse me, this bullpen uh, to make sure that for the stretch run they got some arms that can you know hold leads and us uh, you know and especially since Brandon Morrow uh, who yeah. is still out is is. It, not able to save games. I mean, the Cubs are doing this without their closer. It's incredible. Pedro Strope has done a really nice job. It's incredible. I got to hand it to the bullpen. They, they've been incredible, like you said. And uh, it's it's really been saving the Cubs in a lot of these games. Yeah, it, it really is. It's it's the fact that, that, that they've lost Morrow for this extended period of time and two different stints. This is a second one. It, it should It makes no sense that they're 19 games up going into this next week. You know, you've got uh, uh, Cheesesteak, you've got, I call him Cheesesteak, um, Carl's Edward Jr. And, and Justin Wilson are all in double digits on holds. Uh, Strope has actually, I think, been incredibly serviceable and very strong in the, in the, in the closer role. Uh, and, and Kinsler, yeah, he did give up a run. That, that was just, that was, the, the Cubs gave up, a, gave a lot of opportunities for the Pirates to win that game. So I don't put that on him. I am incredibly blown away by how effective this team has been, um, what they've been able to bring to the table from the bullpen. There just seems to be, I, I'm not that concerned about any time that it gets handed over to the bullpen that and that's really an interesting feeling to have because that's not always been the Cubs strength so if they can maintain what they're doing and again I I have this you know that dream and that belief that Madden always tells us starting pitchers you don't need to go long um, you know save a little bit for later on maybe this is all a part of a grand scheme to to save the starters uh, to be more you know go deeper in the in the in the in the game in the ninth inning or into into the in September rather but I, I am I'm I'm blown away by it I if Morrow doesn't come back, I'm not as concerned, but it would be really great if he could come back and have some strength. But again, if you want to talk about all the warning signs, all the red flags, all the concerns, the Cubs have a lot going against them right now. And, and uh, it's, it's, it's nice to see what is working well, despite some of the challenges. Well, they worked it. I mean, they definitely, you know, worked hard to try and put together and piece together a bullpen that would be the right combination of guys that can hold leads that can come in and set up situations and closing situations and long relief situations and a credit to Hickey and Madden who have, you know, I thought for the most part have done a very good job of handling this bullpen this year. I sometimes am critical of Madden taking his starters out too early. I would like to see, uh, you know, some of the pitchers pitch longer. I've, I'm always a big fan of the complete game. We can get into that discussion another time, but I would like to see that more however at the same token i you know you you can't you can't ask any more of what this bullpen has done they have 
come into any situation and every situation and have, I would say nine times out of 10 done the job, held leads and have really done a great job of uh, making sure the Cubs, you know, stay in every ball game. Absolutely. Now, Ryan, I, I don't normally do this, but I feel like it's time appropriately to quote Mark Twain. Are you ready? All right. The, the report of my death has been greatly exaggerated. And as you know, Mark Twain is from Missouri and he's one of Missouri's favorite sons. And I bring that quote up just because it's time to talk about the surging St. Louis Cardinals. Holy cow. I, I, what thank you. I, I worked, I worked all weekend on that. I, I have to tell you, um, they have won eight of their last 10 going into the week. They've got it down to four games back again, going into this week. They are on a surge, and I, and I got to tell you, uh, if I'm Matheny and I'm sitting at home, I'm like, I'm probably not going to get another job anytime soon because I might have been the reason. Uh, the Cardinals, are you more concerned about the Cardinals right now than the Brewers? Uh, I am, Chad, and I'll tell you why. First of all, Mike Schultz got this team playing really well. Yeah, uh, They're 21-11 and 11 after their loss today to the Brewers, but as you said, they've been playing – Really good baseball. Uh, they, at a moment, for the moment, had overtaken the Brewers until their loss on Sunday. But um, the young players are really stepping up. Uh, Dexter Fowler, who unfortunately was just having a miserable season for them, yeah. is no longer yeah. uh, playing. He's sitting on the bench now. And these players, along with Matt Carpenter, uh, they have really been unbelievable uh, these yeah. last few weeks. The pitching staff has really stepped up. These these young players from their minor league systems are getting the opportunity now and they're proving their worth and they are really starting to gel. And I think uh, credit Mike Schiltz and credit yeah. the Cardinals for being able to say, look, we're not done yet. We're really going to, you know, go all in and we're going to try and make this work for the season. And I'll tell you what, Chad, uh, I would not be shocked if we saw this Cardinals team in the postseason. I don't know if they'd be playing the Cubs, but, the Brewers are kind of doing the thing that they've done in the past, and that's starting to fade a little bit. And the Cubs end the year with three at Wrigley against yeah. the Cardinals. That series could prove to be a very crucial series uh, when it's all said and done. So, yeah, I'm, I am concerned about the Cardinals. Can you imagine if the wild card or the division was on the line for that three-game series? I mean, that that is, that's terrifying. I I, I – all the respect in the world to the Cardinals. I, I you know, they have always been a consistent uh, a, a franchise and they always find a way to win. And um, they have gone on a run right now that again, that we haven't seen the Cubs go on yet. And you're right. The, the Brewers have started faltering They're They're uh, they're not winning the games they, they should win. And uh, with what the Cardinals are doing right now, can they sustain this? If they do, the Cubs better watch out. But I got to say, if the Cubs don't go on some sort of run over the next couple of weeks, it is going to be a neck and neck race. And it could be very tight right into that last series. We are welcomed by Sports Center anchor Doug Kazarian, who literally just got off the set. He's been doing Sports Center all weekend long, and uh, we're happy to have him. He's uh, brought to us by the Underhill account and Ball Bearings, which, of course, are a big, big uh, corporation in the uh, Northeast. But uh, Doug Kazarian, who is also a legal expert now on ESPN, uh, pretty cool that he's now kind of that guy contributing uh, to the Sports Center program along with his Sports Center duties. Doug, welcome to the Friendly Confines with uh, Chad and Ryan. It is a pleasure to have you uh, join us here. How are you doing? 
My pleasure, man. This is uh, it's awesome to connect with you and uh, Ryan. As excuse me, is uh, and just to get kind of get connected with everyone and and the audience. I like this uh, specific chat we're gonna have. Yes, yes. I know that you cover obviously baseball as a whole, and uh, we'll get into that. We'll get into obviously some gambling, which I know that's something that you've kind of really focused in on um, in the last several months. Uh, I know you've you know, did some work in the Las Vegas market. So certainly that's uh, a lot of your background, being able to come to ESPN and do that. But uh, let's let's start there, Doug. First of all, uh, the Cubs, obviously one of the top teams in baseball this year, you know, coming off the 2016 World Series. They got to the NLCS last year, certainly have another opportunity to get to the World Series this year. So as of now, what are the odds in Vegas uh, for the Cubs to win the World Series? Every year, the Cubs are going to be among the favorites. That's just what happens. Ryan, I, I remember when you came to Vegas once to visit, and you bet on the Cubs because you had to, because you're a Cubs fan and you're a Cubs guy. But this year, they're actually um, justified in being among the favorites, right, as opposed to when I lectured you for why would you waste your money in a playful bet. So they're 7-1 to one right now at, at, at the Westgate, and they're always among the favorites just because of the fan following. Now, what you have to understand with the betting market, it doesn't, it's not directly correlated to chances to win, so to speak. It's a very layered sort of concept and, and, and nuance, but basically, Cubs are obviously good. Their odds are seven to one, and they are usually inflated because of the popularity of the Cubs na- nationwide and how many people tend to bet the teams they like. So the Cubs you know, or seven to one, that's probably not a fair market price. So it, it, with, with that being said, and, and talking to somebody who's obviously, like you said, wasted their money in the past, betting on the Cubs <laughs> winning the world series. That's a great memory, by the way, that you, you totally pulled that. Um, is, is that a good bet? Even with the, you know, the teams like the Red Sox and the Yankees and Oakland and Houston, are the Cubs still a very solid bet to go to Vegas and say, I want to put, you know, X amount of money on them to win the series. No, no. And, and it's very few teams are in this sort of format. So it's something called the outright market, which is to win the World Series outright. And it's basically the only time there are fair market odds is when there's two way betting, when you can bet on something to happen and something not to happen. Like, for example, a point spread. If a team is favored by three, you can take both the favorite and the underdog. In this case, with the Cubs, You can only, it's a one-way betting. So you're never going to get fair value offered. You have to think about it as like also combined probability. So seven to one odds, what's the combined probability of the Cubs winning maybe, maybe a wild card game, but if not the division series, then the championship series, and then the world series. If you compound all that probability, it's probably a longer shot than seven to one, right? Okay. That's why it's inefficient. Now, the only time I personally like to bet on futures, which is what this is called, a futures market, so World Series championship, is on long shots when you're getting good odds. Like the, I believe the A's at the World's, at the All-Star break were like 60-1 to 1 to win the World Series. When you can have really high payout. For the Cubs, if you really think they're going to win the World Series, I would wait till the Division Series, bet on them to win the Division Series, then bet on them to win the NLCS, and then the World Series. And then you're going to get a better payout than 7-1 to 1 if you just roll it over. 
We're talking to Doug Kazarian, Sports Center anchor, also a gambling expert on the network as well, uh, taking a few minutes to join us here on the Friendly Confines. So, Doug, obviously uh, the big news this year is the fact that uh, we're seeing more legality in betting uh, in the all across the United States. It's not just Las Vegas. People are going to have more opportunities uh, to place legal wagers in the U.S. other than just the Las Vegas market. So with that being said, how does that change, in your opinion, I'm sure this is a question you've been asked a lot, how does that change the landscape on how sports maybe is going to be played or for the common fan um, when they're watching a game? Is there going to, do you, do you think for the common fan there will be a, a significant difference in what we're seeing product-wise and what we're seeing out there um, just in mainstream when we're placing bets on games? I think anyone who answers this question with 100% certainty is lying. I think we're all going to figure this out together as we go along. And I say we, meaning people in the broadcasting industry and people who are consuming the broadcast. Because I don't think really anyone understands. Because it's a really tricky thing. In May, three months ago, Ryan, the, the Supreme Court did not invent sports betting, right? Sports betting's been going on for decades, a long time. So just because the federal ban was lifted and now there's, like you said, paved the way for legalization, I don't think there's going to be this giant rush of people betting because people who were who wanted to bet kind of already were just of the illegal nature. So in some ways it shouldn't change at all, but then it will be, then there is a, also a concept where that it will become more mainstream and the, the gambling space will mature in a similar fashion that fantasy did. So is Monday night football going to run the like point spread on the, in the graphic of the score and the bug score bug the entire game? Of course not. But in five to 10 years, there might be more of a presence during live broadcast. We shall see. But for now, we just have to kind of like slowly progress and see what the appetite is of the consumer and the appetite is of each state that has legalization right now we're at three states you know west virginia is going to follow suit rhode island's coming in october we'll be at five and then we'll see what happens in the next coming years but you know you see the nba embracing it you see other leagues embracing it but i think we're a ways away from the sort of the european model which is very much part of their daily existence and it's sort of what i've heard people call and i really like this term it's a concession concept it is part of the experience. Like you go to the concession stand and buy beer, a hot dog, and food, whatever. It is part of the experience, and you are you are paying for an experience, not necessarily losing money. If that makes sense to the average sports fan listening. Sure, Doug Kazarian, ESPN Sports Center anchor, also handles the uh, gambling segments of the network. Uh, he's given us a few minutes here on the friendly confines. Now, Doug, obviously, you mentioned it. You kind of alluded to it earlier. The NBA, the NFL. Those are kind of the, the two leagues that I would probably, if, if I'm saying this correctly, probably garner the most betting out of the two leagues, maybe some college football as well. Why isn't baseball uh, a sport that's heavily bet on um, compared to the NFL and the NBA? Well, it's, it's directly correlated to ratings, right? So football is the highest ratings and college football as well. And then the next is basketball and so forth. Baseball's average viewer, and I think viewer meaning fan, even at the games, I think it's 57 years old. So it's a sport that has struggled with sort of the micro microwaving of the society that everyone needs instant this. And, you know, sadly, 
you know, another generation of fans is not growing up sort of appreciating how a 2-2 pitch in the sixth inning can completely change a game when it's on the corner, whether it's called a strike or a, fa- or a ball, right? Like, you and I can appreciate the nuances of baseball and the three-hour commitment of the sport. But I think kids growing up, like I coached Little League recently, and the, the, the head coach was a dad. And he was saying his son's kind of bored with baseball because a kid only gets three at-bats a game and then gets the ball hit to him three, four times a game. So that's like seven moments of stimulation, if you will, over the course of a couple hours, and they, they need more than that. So baseball's just overall fan base is hurting. So on top of that, it's going to be correlated to the viewership and thus the people who want to bet on the sport. Now, I do think based, the nature of betting on baseball is complicated compared to a football point spread. So if a football point spread is like minus seven, plus seven, like we can all digest that and understand that. Like this team's good. They have to not only win the game, but they have to win by seven or more. The other team can lose by a touchdown or less or win the game outright, and they you win your bet. But with baseball, it's money lines, and that requires some math. So you'll hear something that somebody's minus 150. What does that mean? It means I have to risk $150 for every $100 bet to win. So you go to the ticket counter in Vegas or whatever, and you put down $150. If you win, you give them back your ticket. You get the original $150 plus $100. So it involves math and things like that. It's, it's, it's money line betting, which can be a little complicated. And it's, not as, it's not as easily uh, digestible and processed that the football and basketball point spreads are. Doug Kazarian, ESPN Sports Center anchor, gambling expert on the network, uh, taking a few minutes to join us here on the seventh inning stretch of the friendly confines. An old friend who has made it big, and I'm very proud of him. Doug, thanks for taking the time to join us here on the program. We appreciate it, buddy. Hopefully, we'll be able to talk down the line. Yeah, and you want to? Uh, are we going to like meet up at Kai's or Copia later? Or are we going to? Whatever you want to do, I'm down. I have free time, so. Are we going to ever go across the street to Blue Cat? Absolutely. Or... I'm in. For whatever you want to do, I'm in. Well, let's go play darts at uh, O'Malley's instead. <laughs> Some Quad City references that will never be matched. I love it. Doug, I'll, have a, have a I'll great... I'll shoot your stand-up at the, at the Quad City Mallards game if you want. At the, if you want me to shoot your stand-up at the, at the mark, I can do that as well. I would love it. And it just shows that we all have an origin somewhere. And see, you can, too, make it to ESPN if you uh, one day – aspire like my buddy here doug doug thanks so much pal i appreciate it you got it dude anytime all right bye-bye time for the eighth inning here on the friendly confines chad gordon ryan lever first want to thank doug kazarian from espn uh taking the time to join you uh talk with Doug. It's uh, been a nice friendship that we've had for a long yeah, time. I love it. We that. had some, some inside jokes about the Quad Cities. That was where we both worked once upon a time, Chad. So, uh, And uh, th- those were some of the references he was making at yeah. the end of the interview there about where we could hang out. But uh, it's cool to see how successful he's become. I'm, I'm really I, proud of him, and he's, he's done great. I love it. And, and, and talk about some great guests we've been getting. I mean, some great guest conductors. We've, we've had nothing but Blockbuster. The fact that he stepped off the ESPN Sports Center set to record the podcast with us. That's pretty awesome. So keep we're going to yeah. keep it up. We're going to keep bringing you quality uh, guests and uh, 
and uh, you let us know. Make sure you uh, reach out to us on our, our uh, the Friendly Confines Facebook podcast page. Look for us at the Friendly Confines Podcast Cubs Facebook page and let us know who you want to hear from. And we'll definitely do our, our best to, to line them up. So let's move on. Let's kick it off with the, uh, the eighth inning. And we're actually going to look ahead to the week ahead. Um, I mentioned this during our last episode that this last week was so incredibly important because this was two of the last days off for quite some time. So they, uh, they get the tough uh, late inning loss in, in Pittsburgh. Um, they probably have an hour and 15 hour and 30 minute flight uh, to Detroit where they'll be coming to join you on your quote unquote business trip. Um, so when you look <laughs> ahead to this week, two games against the, the struggling Dodgers, three games against the, for some reason, really hard to beat um, Cincinnati Reds. Uh, what, are you looking forward to and what are the things to look for this coming week? Well, I got to take advantage of this. And you know, the tigers, the two game set, that's a quick turnaround. Then they come back to Wrigley. So certainly uh, you want to be able to, you know, go into Detroit, try and take care of business there, at least get a split, if not the sweep. And then you're going to play Cincinnati. And this is a team, as we talked about before, that for whatever reason, the Cubs look awful. The Reds look like World Series beaters when they play the Cubs. I can't yeah. figure it out. They're one of the worst teams in baseball, but yet somehow they come jacked up to play and they look amazing against the Cubbies. Uh, so this is a key series because, you know, obviously with the Cardinals playing as well as they are, uh, you know, every series is important. I know I kind of say this each and every week, but you got to win the games you're supposed to win. Those are always key measurables in, you know, going into the postseason. Because if you're, if you're not beating the teams under 500, that's going to hurt you down the line. I mean, it's great beating the teams that are over 500. Yes, that's a bonus. But you got to be able to beat the teams under 500 because those are the easy wins that are going to allow you to extend that lead yeah. in the division and give you the opportunity to give some breathing room and because the Cubs really haven't had all that much breathing room. And, you know, if they can take care of business this coming week, that's really where they can, uh, you know, have, have the biggest impact. As yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, this, this is one of those, if, if you're going to make a run, you might as well not delay. And if you're going to start scoring runs, these are some teams to, to, to really look at, at, at doing that. And you've got Hendricks starting on, on Tuesday, Lester on Wednesday. So you're going to see two great pitching matchups. And then you've got that four-game set against the Reds. And the Cubs right now uh, have, you know, 19, uh, 16 more wins than both of these teams. Um, I think the, the Reds and Tigers have 55 and 51 wins. Uh, it, it, this is this, like you said, this, this, this is, has to be where the, the Cubs say, you know what, it's time to impose their, their will and, and show what they have. Because again, it's, it's the fact that they're all, you know, they're 19 games over 500 and not really feeling like they're, they're, they're at that, that quality and, and that dominating. Um, this is where you step up against uh, teams that just, you know, shouldn't be a problem. And I, and I always like to say, this is major league baseball. Those are professionals and, and, and teams really seem to get up for the, the Chicago Cubs, but this week ahead, um, this week ahead could be a, a, a season um, maker or, or a season disruptor in a big way, depending on how the next six games go. It definitely has felt like a grind this year for whatever reason it, it, it certainly has. And hopefully they can, uh, yeah. you know, do some damage this week and, and take care of business. All right. We finish up in the ninth inning, a little lighthearted segment here that I like to call 
show me your gear. Uh, this is a topic <laughs> that I've been trying to get into the, the show for a while. We actually did have it in one of the episodes, and then we had to re-record the episode uh, after the David, David Bodie, Bodie Grand Slab. Yep. Uh, so, so, Chad, I was curious about this, and after we actually did speak about it off the air, I had to do kind of my own recon on this, and I wanted to find out how much Cubs gear do you own? I'm curious because I feel like my fiance makes fun of me that I have so much Cubs gear. Um, and then I was shocked to hear that how much you had. So for our listeners, how much Cubs gear, shirts, jerseys, hats do you personally own and wear? I, I'm going to answer the question, but I'm first going to say, come to our Facebook page, uh, join if you haven't already, but sound off on the, the comment section of, uh, of when we post this and tell us what your favorite piece of gear, maybe it's a memorable piece of gear or it's just something, your lucky sweater, your lucky shirt or something like that. I, I'm an idiot, Ryan. That I'm just going to lead off with that. I have more gear than I'll ever use. I, 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 have, I, look, I have hats and I go, well, I'm going to wear that one of these days, but I just don't have the moment. I so if you remember at the World Series, you know, I, I love my 1914 hat. So every year on opening day, I, wear, I, I buy a, a brand new seven and a half fitted, uh, low profile Cubs 1914 hat. Very few people have that. It's my hat. I love it. Um, but then my, my favorite hat, I wear it to the gym. I wear it, to, I wore it this uh, morning to play ball, um, is the on field gray world series champions it's a little the 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 gold is a little faded um but i I was done i had a moratorium on buying hats and then again in my softball team they changed up the jersey and it has kind of a red white and blue theme and so naturally i see the july 4th hat and i go well i guess i have to buy that so the answer is i have all of it and it's silly and i'm never going to wear it all um but i've got a a couple favorite jerseys i i think i just need to do maybe we do a giveaway or something you you know get you know um we'll give away chad's old gear what do you think you think that'll bring the listeners we might do that we might do that but give me a number do you have a number of like t-shirts jerseys and hats like how many t-shirts how many hats and how many jerseys do you think i'm not a big t-shirt guy i'm not a jersey guy you know a t-shirt jersey um i do so i would say less than six uh for for t-shirts that are in the rotation jerseys you know being out here a lot of the time in san diego i absolutely got the taco bell color um chris bryant all-star jersey because chris is a san diego college kid out here but i have that i got the addison russell when he hit that grand slam at the game six that you and i are at i actually vowed at that moment okay i'm gonna get the addy russell um, uh, white home with the World Series patch. Um, my go-to jersey, like if I if I'm going to a game tomorrow and I just pack one thing, it's the it's the Chris Bryant alternate two years ago. I love that one. Jerseys wise, I don't know, fifteen. Um, that's not even including like the autograph ones and the things that that I, I don't. I, it, we ever get into like World Series memorabilia? It's it's a disgusting display. But I'm a grown man and I have a huge problem. Uh, I have. I counted it myself. I was actually pretty on point. <laughs> I have 15. I'm, I'm not a big Jersey guy. So I've always been anti Jersey because right. unless it's like a, a, like a legendary player who you, you know, okay, even if I wear this, um, it's cool. Otherwise you're stuck collecting jerseys of guys who, you know, once upon a time were on the team and then you're like, Oh, he's not on the team anymore. And yeah. then you kind of look weird. Like when you see a guy who's wearing like a Fuka Dome jersey and you're going, Really? Oh, you're a Fuka Dome? You know, like, like that. So I've always been more of like a t shirt guy, but I have currently 
1515 <laughs> t-shirts, which I know you find very cute. And I also have four hats. Um, oh, four hats. That's it. Four hats is adorable. That's adorable. <laughs> I, I trip over hats. I forget. I, I trip over four hats on the way to the bathroom that I forgot I own. So what do you got? Like 30? I've got a lot of hats, Ryan. I've got a lot of hats and, and they all oh, have wow. sentimental value. Like, you know, I, it's just, I, I've got to stop. I have a problem. I have a problem. Yeah, because all my hats are different. You have the same hat like 50 times, I feel like. No, I, have, like, four I, I no, no, no. I replace – here's my sickest moment, okay? You, you know what I'm talking about. Remember the gray on-field World Series champion hats? Like like yes. the gray one, the ones they wore on the field right after they won in Cleveland? Yes. So I love that one. I remember I bought it for like $64. It was overnighted. I was wearing it, it um, by Friday, right? I, I had it in my on my head. And, and it's, it's for players only. I love the inside inscription. I'm such an idiot that, that, that sometime in the off season, the fanatics I, I went through there, they should, they should sponsor this show. But I, um, I had, uh, um, I saw there was a deal. Those hats were on sale for nine eighty seven, And so what did I do? I bought eight of those hats because I'm, they're sweating. And the, like, I just thought I always want to have one of those hats that I could break in crisp and new. So that's, I seriously have a problem, right? Thank you for bringing this up and exposing me to the world. Uh, Chad, this was actually an intervention. So uh, I just hope you realize we're all here. We all love you. We care about you. But uh, enough's enough. We, you have enough gear to last you into three lifetimes. And yeah. uh, you know what? Listen, go for it. Go, go nuts. I continue to say uh, I'm sure I'll buy more in the process. Uh, I have a problem, too. Not, not uh, as bad as I thought I did, though. So that's the good news, I guess. Can, so, I, can, I, tell uh, you, can I tell you one more thing? Yeah. I not only have a Kosuke Fukudome jersey, I have a legitimate, authentic, on-field, home, white version, fitted, and it's in Japanese lettering. So I have that Oh, one. my god! But can I, I want to wow. give some advice to everybody that's listening right now. If you want to get a jersey and not, you know, have some other guy's jersey, get a Bryant, get a Rizzo. Those are two guys you can count on. They're going to be with this team probably to the end, I believe, um, because probably my Addison Russell thing, he may not be with us in, yeah, too much longer. That's, a, that's, a, that's an inning for another time, right? Let's take us home. All right, very good. Well, that is going to do it for this edition of the Friendly Confines. As always, my thanks to Chad Gordon and, of course, to our special seventh-inning stretch conductor this week, Doug Desirian from ESPN. We'll see you next week, everybody. I'm Ryan Lieber. Have a good see, one. See you at the ballpark. just a game for I've seen other teams and it's never the same when you're born in Chicago you're blessed and you're healed the first time you walk into Wrigley